0: Man is still the first weapon of war and his training is the most important consideration in the fashioning of a fighting army. That's Field Marshal Bernard Montgomery, World War II. I have been using this quote in my signature block for years. The context of the statement is interesting because he made it in reference to the importance of physical fitness and high morale but I've always thought it spoke to something a little deeper. Hi there. Welcome back to another episode of Everyday Marksman Radio. I'm your host, Matt Robertson, a former military officer turned tech sector corporate grunt, shooting enthusiast, outdoors enthusiast, and all-round cool guy. If you're new to the show, then welcome. I'm so glad you're here. This podcast is all about living a more adventurous life through the practice of tactical skills. And this is episode number 15. You can find today's show notes at everydaymarksman.co forward slash 15. In today's episode, we're talking about marketing and more specifically about AR-15 and firearms marketing. Now I know what you're thinking is, oh, well, what are you going to try and sell me? Because that's what everybody does. Isn't that what influencers do? And I am not an influencer. Don't get me wrong on that one. But everybody's trying to sell you something. So what am I going to sell you? Well, the answer is I'm not. Because more specifically, we're going to discuss why you should probably be ignoring all the marketing out there. Because you see, marketing firms make one fatal assumption that causes havoc with your development as a rifleman. Now, I'm reminded of a story from back in episode eight when I talked to Russ Miller, and he was talking about this old sniper guy who showed up to an international sniper match. And this guy must have been 50, 60 years old, and he was using a 60-year-old Winchester Model 70, an old Unertal scope. And he was going to go up against these 25-year-olds who are from all over the world, from government agencies and military, firing and using the highest dollar equipment that government money could buy. And that's a really funny story. gonna we'll talk more about that later. But for now, let's get to the episode. So let's talk about what you are probably accustomed to seeing when it comes to AR-15 and firearms marketing. Imagine this. You're sitting at the bookstore and you're drinking your coffee and you're browsing through some gun magazines because there's always some on the shelf and you see an ad and what do you see it's like the ones that i typically see it's going to be a bunch of guys all kitted up in really nice looking tactical gear and they look heroic they look awesome they look like jolly green giants striding the world and being badasses and you think man That's so cool. That's awesome. I want to do that. That is marketing. What you're used to seeing is an emotional game. Zig Ziglar, who was one of the most well-known and iconic salesmen and motivational speakers ever, used to say that people don't buy for logical reasons. They buy for emotional reasons. Now, there are six universal emotions that we all feel. Happiness, anger, disgust, sadness, fear, and surprise. Those are the basic six. Now, marketers love to use these. Let's talk about happiness as an example here. When it comes to happiness, people want to feel good about themselves. So they want to Put an ad in front of you that when you take action on this thing they want you to do, you buy this widget, you go to that vacation, you're going to feel good about yourself. You did something awesome. You're happy. We're having fun. This is great. All right, think about all the times you've seen beer ads where there's some party going on with gorgeous women dancing around the pool and everybody's having fun. That's tapping into your happiness. Nobody cares if the beer is good or not. It could be beer-flavored water. But you're still going to want to buy it because that's the life that you want and then we have anger anger works because we like to rally around things that we don't like political advertisements are amazing at anger at anger advertising i can remember here just this last election here in virginia which i've talked about before is that all the advertisements I saw, they were never ever about the candidate themselves and all the good they were gonna do. It was always about how terrible the other person was and they're trying to make you get angry about that person so that you either not vote for them or vote for the person who paid for the advertisement. Anger is really good at rallying groups of people together for a common cause. And then we have disgust, which is a really fun one because I was trying to think why this is different than anger. But at the end of the day, disgust is about avoiding feeling bad about yourself. You don't want to do this thing because it's going to be disgusting. I remember when I lived in Montana and there was billboards everywhere for not to do meth. These were showing pictures of teenagers with scars and bruises all over their arms, talking about trying to dig bugs out of their skin. And you just felt, you felt grimy when you saw it. And you're like, ugh, no, I'm never going to do that. That's disgust. Then we have sadness. And sadness is epitomized by these advertisements you'd see for donating to animal shelters or to starving kids in Africa where they show you sad pictures and play sad music in the background and then try and make you think that, man, I should do something about that. You, you feel that empathy moment. right? These are great for social issues. And then we have fear. And fear marketing is extremely powerful. Fear is deployed to sway you away from something or even to something. Now, for swaying you away, it could be you might die if you did this thing. You shouldn't go here because you might die or something bad is going to happen to you. Or, and probably more effective to me, would be fear of missing out. That if you don't buy my product... If you don't do this thing I want you to do, then you are going to lose. You're going to miss out on what kind of life you could have. You won't be happy. I think it's a subtle difference between fear that you won't be happy as an advertising tactic or just saying that you could be happy. In a way, I think it's probably more effective to make people fear that they won't be happy than to show them something happy that, well, if you did this, you would be happy. I don't know. You know what I mean, right? Let me know. And lastly, we have surprise. It's something unexpected. Now, the bottom line is that emotional campaigns are twice as effective compared to rational campaigns. So that's why when see ads, old ads, before emotional campaigns were a popular thing, they would talk about the benefits of their product, why their product was the best on the market, and it's because it had tangible, real things you could look at and measure. That was the rational advertising. And then we realized that nobody bought that or They did, but it was more effective to make people fear that what happened if they didn't buy your product. So how does this apply to firearms marketing in in particular? Now, gun companies love to market to your fear and your desires for happiness. Consider the rather infamous Bushmaster ad, which they got a lot of heat for in lawsuits. And all it was is a picture of a basic AR-15 with the snake logo in the corner that said, consider your man card reissued. Who is that marketed to? There is nothing in there about what the gun is made out of, what's its receiver material, its barrel twist rate, all the stuff that I would care about as a data nerd. All it said or implied was that if I didn't buy their product, then I was less of a man. Well, that's a that's a fear tactic right there. So there's really two ways it could go. It could be I'm someone who's afraid of my being emasculated and I need to buy this weapon so I feel manly, or it's marketed towards people who want to feel more manly in general. They'll feel good about themselves because they're more manly. They have their man card. Think about all the ads you've seen of elite looking guys carrying mean looking weapons. It's all an emotional appeal that you too can be like them just by buying my chest rig or buying my rifle. It says nothing about the fact that these guys also train all the time in practice. They're all in really good shape, so maybe they can sell you some workout gear while they're at it. Uh, It's just, it's all meant to appeal to your emotions. Anyway, I'm ranting on that one. Let's move on. Now, lest you think I'm forgetting regular people who aren't going to be your paid advertisers, think about influencer economy here, Instagram and YouTube, all right? Message boards are full of people who have more money than sense. And they're what we call gatekeepers. In any community you're going to get together, there's going to be the people who find it easier to spend money than to go practice. And they are going to kind of get in the door with each other and they're going to establish the gate. So if you join some precision rifle oriented message boards, not going to call anybody out, you're going to feel like you're not actually competitive unless you're willing to spend $6,000. And that dissuades people from getting started because that barrier to entry seems so high. How many times have you been told that you're going to end up dead in the streets because you didn't buy their particular brand of pistol or you bought a pistol that, God forbid, has a manual safety on it? Who has been telling you that you need to buy no less than a $400 to $500 custom stainless steel barrel or you're just not going to be competitive or you're never going to make that shot at 600 yards? It's not me. It's not the people who actually know what they're doing. They have all been remarkably consistent on their message. Consider this quote from Russ Miller back in episode eight. Don't worry about how good or bad the equipment, the the equipment has to be good in the sense that it has to function reliably. Don't think that you need to get the best, most accurate, super duper turbocharged gun. You don't. Well, that doesn't sound very markety, does it? He says, buy something that's reliable and use it. Don't worry about something super awesome because it doesn't matter. Well, that's, that's, that's boring. Well, what about John Simpson back in episode two? I wish that they would, uh, I wish that they would maximize their capabilities with what they have, you know, before they complain that they have to have, uh, the, the next, the next piece of wonder gear. You know, Jeff Cooper used to say that the definition of a good rifleman is someone who can shoot up to the ability of the rifle because here's the honest truth is it Most rifles today are so well-made compared to 60, 70 years ago that most people who own them are utterly incapable of shooting up to that ability of that rifle. What good is it going to do somebody to buy a rifle that can shoot one half minute of angle? We're talking one inch groups at 200 yards when that person doesn't practice enough to even do eight minutes of angle themselves. It doesn't make sense. The truth is that there is no money to be made by telling you to practice more. Gun manufacturers are really not all that interested in helping you improve your skills with that rifle. They want to sell you solutions so that you don't have to practice, that you don't have to feel bad about yourself because you made a bad wind call. No, I'll go back to thinking about my April 2019 America's Rifle Challenge Match Report, where on a whim, I decided to use my 20-inch government-profile barrel AR. And I was like, well, we're, we're going to see what's going to happen here. So I show up, and everybody around me is using these tricked-out 16-inch guns, and they're all super light, and they're all super giddy, and here I am with my musket. <laughs> and you know what? I did all right. I didn't win. I didn't expect to win. I was out of practice, but I did all right. And the fact that I was missing the 500-yard gong had nothing to do with the fact that I was using a standard chrome-lined barrel. It was the fact that I couldn't read wind very well, and it was very windy. It was probably 30, 35 knots, and I had no idea where to try and hold over. I lost that one, not because my scope wasn't good enough. It was because I wasn't stable enough. I had not practiced enough on how to shoot off of barriers to be stable. Likewise, on the CQB stages, when I was running around their little setups with plywood, and I did pretty well. In fact, I won a couple stages, even though I had a 20-inch barrel that everyone in the message boards will tell you is too long to be effective in CQB. I did well. Could I have done a little better if I was running something shorter? Maybe. It wouldn't have done you know, five seconds better, maybe a fraction of a second better. The simple truth is that I needed to spend more time practicing with that rifle, learning the wind and dry firing from positions. Now, as I said in my article about your first AR-15, getting into all these minute differences and special configurations between the Mark 18 CQB and the Mark 12 SPR versus the M4, you know what, all these things don't matter to the average person. They only matter once you are highly skilled and practiced as a marksman. If you're new, the best thing you can do for yourself is use the logical side of your brain and buy a weapon known for its reliability and good enough accuracy, and then practice with it. Practice with it so much that it becomes second nature to you. Dry fire with it. Practice positions with it. Go to matches with it. Go to training with it. Now, to come back to the story I started with in the beginning about the old guy who showed up to that international sniper match with his Winchester Model 70 shooting 30 out six. Here he was. This old 60, 70 year old guy with a 60, 70 year old rifle. And he came in fourth place. Fourth place. That is the power of mastery. Be the old dangerous guy showing up who surprises everybody. Worry less about what gun manufacturers want to sell you or what the keyboard commando gatekeepers of the internet tell you that you need, otherwise you just won't compete. Go shoot the gun. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to come by the website, everydaymarksman.co forward slash 15 and leave a comment on the show notes. And I hope you consider joining our community if you haven't already so you can start down the marksman's path. Now, if you want to help the show out, there are a few things that you can do. So first, if you are brand new and this is the first episode you're listening to, smash that subscribe button and just keep listening. I appreciate you guys just as much as I appreciate the longtime veterans, all right? Everybody coming into the fold is someone else that we get to talk the message about being a good marksman. Now, if you've been listening for a while, head over to everydaymarksman.co forward slash rate, R-A-T-E, and leave me a couple of reviews on your podcast player of choice. I read as many of them as I can, and I'd love to give shout outs to you guys for leaving a review. Lastly, if you've been with me for a while, consider going to everydaymarksman.co forward slash support and contributing to the site. Supporters get access to private chat servers, behind the scenes photos and recordings, as well as direct input on the path of the everyday marksman. If you like what we're doing here, then you can help it grow for the cost of a cup of coffee. All right, that's it for me this week. I want you to have a wonderful day and a wonderful week, and I'll see you next time. So until we meet again, this is Matt, signing out.